Welcome to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. You can also check us out online at realchurchcoweta.com or jump on Facebook at Real Church Coweta. We hope you enjoy this week's message. I think I would be remiss. Uh, I think I got this right. Uh, wasn't there a scenario where Jessica had TMJ and she had to suck cheese through a straw to at a Taco Bell? Is this... Is this is that the truth? Is that the truth, Jessica? Is that the truth? Yeah, that's a funny story. Yeah, you were with Wendy, and y'all went through a Taco Bell and asked for the cheese sauce because she was so hungry, and she ch- sucked cheese through a straw with the wire. She had her mouth wired shut, so anyway. It's amazing. It really is amazing because um, I, uh, Wendy, has, has known her forever, and... Um, uh, just she doesn't get to come here very often. She, this is only the second time she's ever been here, and when we, when she does come, it's amazing because um, they just pick right up, man. It's kind of crazy. It's like they never even were like. It's just nuts. They're just. I haven't got a word in edgewise. That's basically what I'm saying. Okay, I haven't got a word in edgewise. They just pick right up and uh, and they go and they're just close friends. And so and we're honored by the way to 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 help you and to sponsor you. We're honored to do that. So. Um, it's just, it's a legit thing. And so the cool thing is, is that, um, I get to tell you that before we, we met today, our leadership team, um, uh, anyway, we're going to give you a $500 donation to do whatever you want to do with. We don't, we, it can go to you, it can go to them. Cause I know there's expenses that you incur too oftentimes. And so as a church, we like supporting people that come and hang out with us. And so we're going to give you a $500 donation today. All right. You'll get that. So that's good. That's good. That's good. That's good stuff. So, are you guys awake? I feel like you're not awake. We don't need to welcome everybody, right? We don't need to do the greet thing, do we? I'll do it. Are you sure? Are you sure? I'll do it. All right. Listen, we're in the book of John. Turn to John chapter 12 at the end of that, starting in verse 37. John chapter 12, verse 37. As you're turning there, I want to remind you while we're going through the book of John, um, we know why it was written. Here's the reason it was written. Let's throw that scripture up there. John chapter 20, verse 31 says this. It says, but these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. Now, I want you to leave that up there. Here's what it says. Believe is the key. You are written so that you may believe. And so everything we're going to read today, everything that John has written is being written because He wants you to believe. And there's a reason why He wants you to believe. He wants you to believe so that you may have life. And the life there is not just talking about life in heaven. It's talking about life on earth as well. He references in John 10.10 that He wants you to have an abundant life. Not just in heaven, but also here on earth. And that is brought by believing in Him. And it's not by your power you would have life, but the power in His name. And so basically what it's saying is, is that you will have an abundant life when you believe, and that abundant life will be powered by the name of Christ. Are you with me? Is everybody with me so far? So here is the other thing I want to tell you too. The book is split up into two sections. And today we are ending the first section. The first section is the book of signs. It's all the things that Jesus 
did. It goes from chapter 1 to chapter 12. Starting next week, we are going to start looking at the book of glory. And that is the last week in which he gave his life over to Christ. Now, so far, what we've looked at is we've looked at him coming up through Jericho. He came up through Jericho. And does anyone remember who he stayed with the night in Jericho? Zacchaeus, that's right, Zacchaeus. He stayed with Zacchaeus that night. Zacchaeus' family was changed. He goes up into Bethany. When he goes up into Bethany, he then has a dinner party basically in his name, for his name. And at that party was, was Lazarus. Lazarus was there. He had been raised from the dead. It was a celebration of that miracle, and it was a celebration of all that Christ was. But there was a heaviness there because they knew what Jesus had already said. And we're going to hear him say it again. We, he knew, they knew what he had said. He had said this. He had said, I am going to have to die. I will die. This is, and they knew this was going to be the final chapter in that saga, so to speak. And so then we see him the following day ride triumphantly into Jerusalem on a donkey. Not, not a powerful stallion, not a horse, not a chariot, not any of those things. That's what they wanted, that's what they wanted, but he was a different kind of king. Remember last week we talked about that? And that's what they wanted, but that's not what he gave them. His kingdom would be eternal, not just here on earth. And we ended it, I ended it by telling you, and I read just a little bit, of our text today. So I want to read that for you. Starting in verse 37, <clears throat> it says, But despite all the miraculous signs Jesus had done, most of the people still did not believe in him. This is exactly what Isaiah the prophet had predicted. Lord, who has believed our message, to whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? But the people couldn't believe, for as Isaiah had also said, the Lord has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts so that their eyes cannot see and their hearts cannot understand and they cannot turn to me and have, have me heal them. Let me, let me stop right there. I want to tell you something really quick. Uh, some of my Calvinist friends would tell you, see, that says that they could not believe because God had hardened their heart and they could not believe. And so that shows that God will choose who's saved and God will, will, will choose who's not saved. And so there, we have no choice in the matter. Uh, and I would tell you, uh, that's bunk. <laughs> um, nowhere in the scriptures did God harden anyone's heart whose heart had not already turned away from him. I want you to hear that. Nowhere in the scriptures. Nowhere. Pharaoh. Pharaoh is a great example. Nowhere in the scriptures. Nowhere did God harden anyone's heart. And here's what God is saying. God is saying, fine. Have it your way. And we're going to look at that in a minute. Fine. If that's, if that's the way you want to go, if that's the way you want to do, I'm going to, I'm going to be here for you over and over, but after a while, he's going to say, fine. Then you do your way. As a matter of fact, if you're going to do way, go all the way. Do your way. And I wanted to stop there and tell you guys that, because that's important for us to understand that John's whole message is about belief and about his desire, Christ's desire, that all would be saved. John 3.16 itself says that. And it's the most famous verse we know. 
It says this, Isaiah was referring to Jesus when he said this because he saw the future and spoke of the Messiah's glory. Many people did believe in him, however, including some of the Jewish leaders, but they, listen to this, but they would admit it for fear that the Pharisees would expel them from the synagogue, for they loved human praise more than the praise of God. And so Jesus shouted to the crowds, if you trust me, you're trusting not only me, but also God who sent me. For when you see me, you are seeing the one who sent me. And I have come as a light to shine in this dark world so that all who put their trust in me will no longer remain in the dark. I will not judge those who hear me, but don't, uh, I, I will not judge those who hear me, but don't obey me. For I have come to save the world and not to judge it. But all who reject me and my message will be judged on the day of judgment by the truth I have spoken. I don't speak on my own authority. The Father who sent me has commanded me what to say and how to say it. And I know this command lead to eternal life. So I say whatever the Father tells me to say. What exactly is going on here? What you have is, is you have Jesus understanding that there's people that are not going to believe. And when he says he sees that they don't, that are not necessarily going to believe, he also, John also goes even further and says, hey, listen, there was even religious people that believed, but they would not say anything because they feared the Pharisees would kick them out and their, their status was more important than their faith in Christ. So what do these verses tell us about us? What do these verses tell us about God and what are we going to do with it? Here's the first thing I want to tell you today, and I want you to get this in your brain, please. Here is what I want to tell you today. No matter what you say or do, some people simply will never believe in Christ. I want you to hear that. No matter what you say or do, some people will never believe in Christ. Our mission is to live our lives in such a way that others will come to know Christ by the love that we've shown. John 13, 35, that we're going to be looking at in a few weeks says this, if we could bring that up, John 13, 35. I'll get that for you. I probably messed up, Lynn. That's probably my bad. It says, uh, just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. I want you to hear that. Your love to the world, your love to one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. That is the litmus test. How much you love each other, how much you love other people. But I want to tell you something. Jesus had even other things that he said about this. He had other things that he said. He said, yeah, I, I want you to know that your lo the love for the world, that, that 100% is, is, is the litmus test. But I want to tell you something else too. And so John, Matthew 10, verse 14 says this. If any household or town refuses to welcome you or listen to your message, here it is, shake its, uh, shake its dust from your feet and leave. Shake its dust from your feet and leave. In the book of Acts 13, 51, we also see this. So they shook the dust from their feet as a sign of rejection and went to the next town of Iconium. I want you to hear what he says. There are people who simply will not believe your message. And don't spend your whole life trying to convince someone that simply will never believe in the first place. They're not going to do that. Now, some people would have you believe that, that, that Jesus would, would constantly and forever try to woo people in. And let me say something to you. 
His very being is something that should draw you. But here's the thing I want you to understand. Some people are simply never going to believe. And what Jesus says is this. He says, when you experience people who are going to ridicule you, will not hear your message, will not, don't keep pounding your head up against a wall. Take your shoes, dust, and that was a sign of fine. Fine, I'm out of here. Knock the dust off your feet. Basically saying, look, I've got the dirt of the town on my shoe sandals. I don't want any part of it. Because you didn't want any part of me. Shake the dust and then move on. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. I want you to understand that. Think about this for a second, you guys. Jesus healed people. He provided food. He even raised someone from the dead. And still people didn't believe. Think about that. And some of these people were people that knew that he had done these things. So my question to you is, is what exactly is about your testimony that you think is going to convince someone who doesn't want anything to do with Christ that they're going to eventually, what is it about your testimony that's going to convince them? Some people aren't going to do that. And I think a lot of us spend a lot of time, we spend a lot of time wanting other people in our lives to, to, to be saved. And I do too. There's people in my life that I want them to come to know Christ. And I think it's an incredible thing. But you talking constantly to them about it is only damaging that. It's not helping it. I want to talk to some families here today that may have children, that may have husbands or wives or whatever here. I want to talk to you today a little bit about about those people that aren't saved. And I want to tell you what my experience has been with this. Here's the truth, and I want to tell you what happens. What generally happens is, is that mom and dad go to church or mom goes to church or dad goes to church and you have children and you bring them to church and then sometimes those children fall out of church or they go off to college or they do various things. None of which, by the way, is your fault. None of which, by the way, is your fault. But they end up doing that and when they do that, there's a cycle that occurs because when the kid is around you, you want so desperately for that kid to know Christ that you bring it up to them and you bring it up the relationship, and you bring it up to them, and you do it over and over and over and over and over again. And in your mind, you're thinking, if I can only think of the right word, if I can only think of the right word to tell this person, then I, that right perfect word, that perfect word, what that would do is, is that would open their heart up, and they would run to the cross and their life would be restored, and they would be back on the plan and the purpose that God has for them. In your mind, that's how the scenario would play out. But in application, that's not how the scenario plays out. And it's never, it's hardly ever, I mean, minuscule how the, how the situation plays out. The chances of you leading your family to Christ is less than you want to admit, especially when they're adults. Did you know that? It is. It is. And when you mention it, and when you discuss it, and when you throw it in their face, and you don't mean to throw it in their face, but any, any little talk of it, is gonna, they're going to see it as thrown in their face, what happens is, is you do more harm than good. I want to tell you something, and I want you to think about this for a second. I want you to think about this. Is there anyone here that was hounded into heaven? Is there anyone here that was hounded into their relationship with Christ? I wasn't. I can tell you what I was, though. I was loved. If 
by people to the point where I could not, I could not deny it anymore. I was loved to the point where I was like, I don't know what these people have, but I want every bit of it, and I want a double dose. So what are we supposed to do then? Gosh, man, we got kids and, and family members and aunts and uncles, and what are we supposed to do? Here's what I'll tell you, and this has been my experience. I would stand firm and continue your relationship. I would pray hard, and I would leave the rest to God. I would stand firm, I would pray hard, and I would leave the rest to God. Can I tell you a secret? God doesn't need your help to get your family member back to him. And just like he oversees you and watches you and sees you, he also, he also sees your family member. And he has the same love for them as he has for you. And he has the same concern for them as he has for you. And he wants the same things for them as he does for you. And if he needs your help, he will let you know. He will. Let me tell you how this usually happens. What usually happens is, is that a co-worker with that person, or, or maybe someone who they play on some kind of ball traveling team with, or their kids play together, or a neighbor, or someone. See, you're putting in all this prayer time. You're living your life in such a way that honors God. And your family can see that. And they know that. And they know what you stand for. And what occurs is, is that someone else who God maneuvers and, and, and puts everything into place, that person ends up talking to your son or your daughter or your, or your uncle or your aunt or whoever. And suddenly, the light turns on. And suddenly... They are drawn back to Christ. That's what happens. It happens over and over and over again. I mean, I was talking to, to Jessica this morning, and her, her mom, her, her, her mom and, and her, her stepdad, her stepdad gave his life to Christ. And her mom was faithful, and she was praying and praying and praying. But it wasn't her mom that led him to Christ. It was a co-worker, an older gentleman, who was talking to him. And that happens over and over and over. Your job, families, is to, is to stand firm in your faith, to pray, and to leave the rest to God. To leave the rest to God. And I will tell you that 99.9999% of the time, he's not going to do it the way you think he's going to do it. He's not. It's going to come a totally different way. And that's okay. That's okay. Just trust him. Just trust him and watch the power that he has. Just trust him and see what he's going to do. The second thing I want to tell you is, and I think we can learn from this, is this. There's no such thing as an undercover Christian. There's no such thing as an undercover Christian. Now, I know there's people who who they sneak Bibles into countries and they're in countries and they are, and that, I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about that at all. The scenario was basically this. These Jewish leaders 
they thought more of the opinion of the Pharisees than they did their belief in Christ. And so they decided that it was more important to be obedient to the Pharisees than it was to be obedient to Christ. Their fear outweighed their belief. I told you guys this a couple of weeks ago. I said this. I said, when you have a politician and a Christian and you combine them, you get a politician. You do. And here's why. Because the politician's main role is to get people to like them so that they will vote for them. I want you to get that. That's why I constantly tell you guys, listen, revival in the land is not going to start at the White House. It's going to start in the church house. It's always started in the church house. It's always started here. I was watching a show, and listen, I'm not knocking, I'm not, I'm not trying to knock this, this young girl because you know, she's, a young, she's a young Christian artist, and she is a, she is a, she has a really sweet spirit, and, and she's doing the best she can do. And she was asked a very unfair question. But I was watching a show where Lauren Daigle was on the Ellen DeGeneres show, and they interviewed her. They interviewed Lauren Daigle, and, and Ellen, Ellen, who is openly homosexual, asked the question, she said, and it was a very unfair question, and it, it, it was very obvious that she was put on the spot. And it was very unfair for Ellen, being the age she is and, and having the success that she's had and having the experience that she's had to do this to a young girl who's in her mid-20s. But she knew, she wanted Lauren Daigle to be on the show. She asked her to come. She actually sang and everything. And then they sat down for a talk, and she said, she said, first question, one of the first questions, she says, so tell me, is homosexuality a sin? And you could tell the blood drained from Lauren Daigle's face, and she said, I, I just, I, she basically ended up saying, I just think people need to read the Bible and, and learn for themselves. That's how she kind of maneuvered it around. And it was a very unfair thing. And I don't want to knock the, the young girl because she, I know that later on in her life she's going to have experiences and it's going to be, her, I'm hoping her faith is, is founded to the point where she would say, yes, yes, because the scripture says it is, yes. Yes, Ellen, it is. I'm sorry. I mean, I, I follow the scriptures. Do I like everything in the scriptures? No. But I'm supposed to align my life with the scriptures and so yes, it is. It is. It breaks my heart that it is, but it is. And you can, you can see the ramification of that. And then everybody started piling on her, and I'm not going to pile on her. But it's very difficult, y'all. It's very difficult whenever your faith is... See, our, our faith is rarely tested. But it's very difficult when your faith is tested, and you have to stand up and say, yes. The Scripture says this. This is the reason why. Yes. That is the case. There's a lot of people that want to be undercover Christians, and I'm not sure they exist. I'm not. And these people here, they wanted the, they wanted the applause of man more than they wanted what God had to say. Galatians 1.10 says this, 
we have that it said, obviously, it's, it's Paul writing, obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. If pleasing people were my goal, I wouldn't even be Christ's servant at all. I wouldn't be Christ's servant. Here's the thing that no one wants to talk about, and it's this. And I don't want you to ever forget this, please. Here's the thing no one wants to talk about. The gospel is offensive. It is. It's offensive. It's the good news, and it's offensive. And it's supposed to be offensive. I'm telling someone, yes, you need to repent and turn from your life. I'm telling someone, yes, you can't do it on your own. I'm telling someone, yes, you need a Savior. That's offensive. Telling a grown person they can't do it on their own is offensive. And it's exactly what Jesus did. The Nike ad says what? Just do it. And the Gospel says, you can't do it. You can't do it on your own. You can't do it. You're powerless on your own. Jesus even says this, there's one way. He's the way. The truth and the life. Romans 1.16 says this, it says, For I'm not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first, and also the Gentile. Some of you guys tell me after the service sometimes, you say, I'm so glad that you go verse by verse. And I'm so glad that you're not, you're not afraid to hit the hard topics. And I always say the same thing. I kind of laugh at myself and I said, what else does God want me to do? What is the alternative? What's the alternative? I don't get it. I mean, he told me, teach this word. I don't know the alternative, guys. I don't know what else to do. I laugh because I'm like, I don't, even, I don't even get that. What else am I going to do? Read here and come up with some kind of pop psychology stuff to make you feel good? I don't get it. I'm not going to do anything else but teach exactly what it says. The gospel, if it's not offensive, it's not the gospel at all. Because the third thing is, is that Jesus says he's the only way. Here's what they wanted. So remember, Jesus was a rabbi. He came out of the, the Jewish people. And these Pharisees, they were so committed to God of the Old Testament as they saw. Jesus comes in and he says he's the fulfillment. But the Pharisees, what they wanted to do is they wanted to split. And they said, we will worship God, but we will not worship you. We, will, we are good with God. We're good with the, the rules and regulations that we've created. We're good with the religion, but we don't want anything to do with you. And Jesus says in that last couple of verses, you don't understand. There is no other way but me. The only way you get everything I'm doing, I'm doing because I am a, I'm a, I'm a vessel for the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen God. The work that I'm doing is because God has told me to do it. And so you can't split God, the Father, and God, the Son. Because he says he's the way and the truth and the life. You can't split them up. 
Can we show that picture that I, I, I posted? I posted this on social media. I thought it was so good. It says, Shane Pruitt, by the way, is a great follow. He's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a pretty good dude. When, when people say, I love Jesus, I just don't like the Bible. What they're really saying is, I love the fake Jesus who I created by my own opinions and preferences, but not the real Jesus described in the Bible. Fake Jesus doesn't give eternal life. Only the real Jesus does. Are you with me? That's exactly what he's saying here. He's saying, I am the way. I am God made flesh. I was there in the beginning. I came and died. And I came to fulfill the mission. And so as we close this section of the miraculous things and the signs that he has done, as we close this section, we are setting ourselves up for this next section in John that's going to be a doozy. Because Jesus is going to start doing things. And on one end, he's going to be washing feet. And on the other end, he's going to be be, be arguing with the Pharisees and he's going to be doing things and he's going to, when you want him to be, when you want him to speak up and to save himself, he's going to be silent and, and he's going to say things and do things and we're going to see this dynamic that's going to take place over the next several chapters. But today, he ends by saying, I came to do the Father's work. And everything that you see going forward is because of what the Father, who the Father is, and that He sent me to do it. And yeah, there's going to be people that don't believe in me. And yeah, there's going to be people that won't be bold for me. But those that follow me will follow me in spirit and in truth. And so the stage is now set to start the second part of John, where we see him give himself up for the salvation of you and me. And that's where we're starting next week. Let me pray for you. God, thank you for today. Thank you, Lord, that you come and you love us enough and you're with us and you guide us and you direct us. And Lord, we don't need anything else but to trust in you. God, I know there's people here today, right now today, I know there's people watching online as well, who's, they have family members that maybe aren't walking with you. They know you. It's in them. But right now, at this point in their life, they're not walking with you. Lord, I pray for those people. I pray for each individual person. Even the ones I'm thinking about right now, I pray for them. And I'm thankful for them. And I pray that even now, God, that you're maneuvering people in their life to show who you are. That people that we least expect would be the ones that you use for the edification of other people, but also for your glory. God, I also pray for the family members who are here that they would stand firm, that they would continue to pray without ceasing, and that they would leave it with you.
God, let us be people that are not undercover Christians. Let us be people that are bold enough to proclaim the truth, even when it's offensive. Let us do that in a loving way, God. God, we're ready to see all that John has in the second half. We're ready to see all the things that you did, all because you loved us. We don't take that lightly, and we're thankful for it. May you be glorified in this place. In the strong and mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Let's sing a final worship song this morning. Everyone stand. Thank you for listening to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. If you have any questions or would like to contact us, please visit our website at realchurchcoweta.com and click on the Contact Us tab. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. in the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. Until then, God bless and remember to love God, love others, and live real.